Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank You, Lord. I, I thank You, Father, for the for the saints, for the fellowship that we have here together, Lord. When when things uh, are hectic out in the world and and don't go the way that uh, that we would like, and and bring uh, stress and and different things into our lives, it's just so good to to come together with the saints and to. Uh, to share in our uh, in our like precious faith, in fellowship with one another, with folks who love each other, and Father, we just thank and praise you for blessing us with that. We thank you, Lord, for your word that we're going to look into tonight. We pray, Father, that you would lead us and guide us, be our teacher here tonight, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, and we trust that as you do always, so you will hear. In the name of our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Romans and chapter 13. I told I was telling Dave a few minutes ago, I'll tell you all, I'm looking forward to the, to the discussion portion of this. I know we've got, uh, we've got a lot of interest in this, in this passage here. So, uh, so I've been, uh, I've been looking forward to, to this. So I'm going to try and keep myself, my own, uh, you know, monologue here short. So, two things. Pray for me that because you know how I am with time, and uh, and also um, if you get a question or a comment or something as we're going, don't forget it. Write it down. You know, do something because we we want we want it brought up when we're when we're done here. Um, okay, Romans chapter thirteen. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for if for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So let's uh, stop there. Now, we are not going to get down through that entire passage here tonight. I would like to uh, take the time and, and give this passage the, uh, the, the thorough treatment that uh, as much as prudence allows, um, I hope I won't, uh, won't pain you with too much minutia here, but I think the subject does need some, uh, uh, some thorough treatment. So hopefully, I hope you won't mind if we take our time and get into this thing. Uh, I, I suspect that, that most of us won't. Uh, Rome, uh, verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, 
For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, again, coming into this portion of the book of Romans, we've said as we came out of chapters 9, 10, and 11 and into chapter 12, we've seen that the... uh, the point of the passage here, Paul has been telling us throughout this book that there are all kinds of new things going on. There's, uh, there, there's a new relationship between the Gentiles and God. There's a new relationship between the nation of Israel and God. There's a new relationship between you and God. And he's been talking about all of these uh changes and all of these new things that are that are uh, that Paul is bringing out here and explaining and expounding and laying out for us in the book of Romans. So as we get through chapters 9, 10 and 11 that talk about the uh, uh, the new situation with Israel and the dispensational changes that God has has brought upon this world uh, to the point that he tells the Corinthians that Old things are passed away. All things have become new. So you come into chapter 12 and you say, well, then if that's the case, what do we do now as Christians? How do we behave? How do we conduct ourselves? Everything is new. We need some instruction. We need some guidance. So as we come here into this portion of the book of Romans, we've been seeing Paul's instruction for our uh, daily conduct in this present world. He's told us all about our relationship to God and that and that day of adoption that we're waiting for out there and all of that, but what do we do in the meantime? So he's been telling us that and the overarching warning of throughout this passage is right there at the beginning in chapter 12 and verse 2, be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here we are in this present world, and uh, we need to act and behave and think and, and, and work, do deeds. And so Paul says, while you're in this present world, you don't want to be conformed to it. Rather, here's what you want to do. So that's where we are here in the book of Romans um, on the, in, the, in, the, in its larger context. Toward God... Our relationship in this present world is that of living sacrifice. And we've talked about that. The sacrificial system is over. Now, we're on the altar. Our uh, relationship to ourselves is sobriety. Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but to think soberly. So that we, uh, we have a new view of ourselves. He moves along and he talks about our relationship in the church and ministry and the offices in the church and the functions and the different things that, that go on here. And he says, we've all got stuff to do there and here's how you ought to do it. Then he goes on and he talks about our relationships with, with people in the world out there and even with our enemies. And that's where we left off last week. So we've got all this good instruction about what to do in these bodies, here in this present world, in this, in this new dispensation of grace. And what we find and what we have found as we go through here is that in terms of our deeds and our behavior, the things that we actually do, not 
a lot has changed. Meekness is still a, a, a good thing like it always was. Loving one another is still a good thing like it always was. Uh, there's a lot of interdispensational truth here that Paul is bringing out. And as we come into Romans chapter 13, we've got some more of that. Um, Romans chapter 13, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now that is not a new uh, commandment. You and I, uh, or I shouldn't say you and I, the people of God from the beginning have been called to be subject to principalities and powers. Come back with me, if you would, all the way back to Genesis and chapter 1. Man has always been called upon by God to be subject to government of, of one form or another. And it's God, Paul says there in the passage, that establishes that government and that, in fact, who created it. And, but for you and me, as members of the body of Christ, the, the question comes up, well, Paul says that we're free. We're not uh, uh, of this world. We've been delivered from the power of darkness, from the power of Satan, from the God of this world, from the prince of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that, amen. So, what do we do? What do we do about the rulers and the principalities and the powers that are here on this earth? Back in Genesis chapter 1, Verse 27, so God, 127, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So when God sets Adam and Eve on the earth, there's only two people here, and the first thing He does is He establishes a government, a hierarchy, a system of order and of dominion. So we tend to think of, of, uh, of government and and, and politics as being collective. When you talk about a government, you're talking about nations, or you're talking about a state, or you're talking about uh, a county, or, or whatever level of government you're dealing with. We tend to think of it in the collective. But when Paul speaks uh, on the issue there in Romans chapter 13, he says, let every soul be subject under the higher powers. And, you know, when we, hear, when we see that word soul, it's talking about one of two things in the Bible. It's either talking about that inner man that you and I usually think of when you hear the word soul, or it's, ta- or it's saying every person. And I think that's what Paul is saying in that, in that page. He's not necessarily talking about let your soul be subject, although it should be. He's saying let every soul be, uh, be subject. What he's doing there is he's saying, you know, Ordinarily, when the Bible would make a statement like that, what would it say, especially your King James Bible being a, 
faithful translation out of the original would say, uh, let every man, wouldn't it, normally? Let every man be subject. And then we would joke and we would say, well, see, women don't have to be subject, just men. But we would know that it means every person, it, that, that man is inclusive and that it means everyone. But Paul doesn't say, let every man be subject, even in that general sense. He says, let every soul be subject. And, he, and, and I think that he purposely makes it more um, personal and individual that way. Uh, and I think he does that for a reason, because, again, we see government as being kind of collective. And Paul kind of wants to bring this issue home to us. So we come here to Genesis chapter 1, and we see that there's two people on the earth, and God sets up a government. He gives Adam dominion. And we know that there was a hierarchy between the two of them. She was subject to him, and on down the family it went. Okay, uh, come, come with me over to Titus in chapter 3. Let's just take a look at a couple of these verses that talk about submitting. Being subject, that's, that's not a word that, uh, that fits too well with us in this, uh, in this nation, is it? Do we, we don't have subjects. Yeah. And yet, Paul says, be subject. Titus chapter 3. We're free in Christ. Paul says there is no bond or free. So I guess even to say that we're free in Christ is, is not completely accurate because we're neither bond nor free. We're free from this world and from its power, but we're bondmen to Christ. Paul says there's neither male nor female in Christ. And yet, women, wives, are called upon to submit to their husbands. There's no bond or free, yet we are called upon to submit to our parents, uh, church leadership, governmental leadership, our, our schoolmasters, our bosses. There are no servants today and yet servants are called upon to be subject to their masters. So we know, we take that, and we apply it. And I say, well, I'm not a slave, but I am an employee. And so I know, I know how to take that and to apply it to myself and to be subject to my employer. Even though I'm not a subject in the, in the strictest sense of the word, praise God that we live in this country. Um, Titus chapter 3. Put them in mind, Paul says, to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Now, Paul talks about good works in this book of Titus over and over again. It would be an interesting study for you if you've never done it. Um, and he says here that being subject to principalities, to powers, to magistrates, to the rulers that he's talking about here, is a good work. It's something that is uh, acceptable to God. Now, incidentally, just before this, uh, you've got the uh, verse in chapter 2 and verse 9, 
exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So there again we have what we're, what we're really talking about in the, uh, these, these trans-dispensational principles that we've, that we've been looking at, including this one. This is a, is a principle that goes back to the beginning, back to Genesis 1. God establishes government and He expects people to, to live orderly. To live, to, he expects us to live our lives under the rule of law, and not that um, anarchy is not God's design for this for this earth, nor is it His design for we, the body of Christ. There is uh, there is a power for all of us to to submit to. Ultimately, that power is God. And then from him, the power uh, flows as he dictates. Now, come over to John chapter 19. So Paul says there in Titus that to be subject to principalities, to magistrates, is a good work. And what you see, John chapter 19... What you find, or at least what I find, as I look at this issue and as I think about it and as I study it through the Scripture, is that the people of God have always been free, at least when they were obedient. The nation of Israel was a free nation um, until it started breaking the law. When it starts breaking the law, then all of a sudden these uh, foreign powers start coming in and oppressing and suppressing and, and uh, generally making life miserable for them. But as an obedient nation, they were a free nation, free to serve God as He commanded them to do. Now, they had judges, and eventually they had kings. Not by God's plan or approval. He had one form of government set up for them, and they decided they wanted something else. But nevertheless, they were under powers, and yet they were a free people. Freedom doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean anarchy. Freedom doesn't mean I have no one to answer to. Freedom means that, that, that we now collectively, under the rule of law that ultimately comes from God, can live in, in decency and in order. What Paul calls quiet and peaceable lives. That's why we're to pray for kings and for all that are in authority. That we might live quiet and peaceable lives. That's what I'm looking for, is a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, John chapter 19. 
John chapter 19, Jesus is standing before Pilate. And you talk about a juxtaposition here of a, of a free man and a wicked government. I mean, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is it. Um, John chapter 19. Now, of course, you're in the Gospel of John. You understand that, generally speaking, there are dispensational issues to, 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 to deal with. Uh, having said that, verse 8. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. He heard them say that he called himself the Son of God. And uh, went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? Paul says, Be subject to the higher powers, right? Well, Pilate is, is, uh, is stressing his, uh, his power here and telling the Lord, uh, I've got the authority. And what does Jesus say? Jesus answered, no, you don't. You don't have any power over me. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it was given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And that you read down that passage, and uh, that kind of shook Pilate up a little bit there because he knew that to be true. There is no power but of God. What did Paul say there in Romans chapter 13? The Lord looks there. Now, now, I want you to see what's going on here. You see what the Lord says there? You could have no power, not just you could have no power except it was given you by God. You could have no power against me except it was given you by God. Now, what that means, that means that God gave Pilate power against Christ, doesn't it? Now, God had a plan for Christ, and He knew what He was going to do, and He knew what He was going to have to do, and He knew how it was going to happen. And the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come here by the, the determinate decree and divine counsel of God to come and be uh, unjustly treated by the powers of this world. Okay? God didn't put me and you on this earth to be unjustly treated by the powers of this world. So there's a difference. Nevertheless, my point to you in this passage is when Paul says there is no power but of God, He's not just saying that you've got a power over here, therefore God gave him his power. He's saying that that power that comes from God is a power that must, that we must be subject to. Because when it comes down to it, the power that God gives to this human ruler is against Christ when the situation calls for it. Now that's the power of God. That is nothing but 
the power of God. Now again, you have a very special situation here. Please remember that. But nevertheless, Pilate here wields that power. Okay? So we need to keep that in mind as we as we think about this because we we you know back there in Genesis the form of government that God established was essentially a family hierarchy you were born into a family and you submitted yourself to your father that's still true today but back then, before Noah came off the ark, all of human government was that way because the families start multiplying and before you know it, it's not your kids anymore. It's nieces and nephews and cousins and second cousins and third cousins and people who never met you. And before you know it, you've got a society who still looks to Adam and to his uh, progeny on down the line as that patriarchal hierarchy that was the human government of that day. And any one of those people see I'm, I'm, I bring you to Pilate here because he's an extreme example. Any one of those people back there could have said, you know, so and so, whoever was the was the, the the family patriarch in that particular situation, says, "Hey, go and do that." And he says, "No, I ain't going to do that." And the kid, and, and the kid says, you know, he says, "Well, I'm the power." And the kid says, "No, you're not. You're my uncle Joe." You know, uh, but the but the fact remains that he was the power there at the time, in that circumstance, and the people were. Excuse me. Called on to submit, to submit to the authority because that authority comes from God. That's my point here in this passage. Forgive me tonight. Got to get a glass of water. Second, uh, Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. Oh, thank you, brother. Uh, you know what? I don't want to put my mouth on. Uh, give you, give you all my germs. Oh, okay. Well, you're still going to get my. You're still going to get my germs. She went to get me a cup. Okay, I'll, I'm going to pour this in that cup. <laughs> thank you, brother. I don't. I don't. If I've got something, I don't want to give it to you. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Second Peter, chapter two. Oh, that's much better. Now we're talking about, you know, I didn't think we were going to get further than verse 1 tonight, but we're not getting further than the first line. Um, i got about five minutes left here if I'm going to keep my, keep my word here. Uh, so, all right, let's, let's look at this, and then I'm going to, I want to take us back to, uh, to Genesis and, and chapter 9 and, and take a look at that. Second Peter chapter 2. We're in, um, I'm in First Peter, that's why. You're all there and I'm not. Second Peter chapter 2. Let's get, um, if I can see here tonight. 
Oh, verse 8. For that righteous man, talking about Lot, dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government presumptuous are they self-willed they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities wherefore angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord Um, and Jude goes on with that same thought and we won't take the time to go there and says even Satan when he was up against Michael disputing about the body of Moses Michael doesn't bring a railing accusation against him that doesn't mean you can't disagree he's talking about speaking evil of dignities my point to you here again is that this power that flows through human government flows from God. And to speak evil of of dignities is an affront to the Lord. Now again, we've got, uh, as Christians, generally speaking, we've got some serious issues with some things that that government tends to do. Okay? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not separated from that. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. Paul had some serious issues with Caesar too. But uh, the idea there is that railing accusation, that evil speaking against them, remember that that power that you're speaking against, it's not the person. It's the authority that flows down from God that you're railing against. And I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else. Genesis chapter 9. Because I have a tendency to say, ah, that whoever, so-and-so, you know, be it President Obama or someone else on down down the line, i got plenty to say about what those folks do sometimes. But, you know, people, people will say, I respect the office, but I don't respect the man. And I've said that before. And let me tell you the problem with that. The problem with that is that the office is represented in a man or a woman or whoever happens to be holding the office at the time. So when we disrespect the person, we are disrespecting the office. God didn't set up empty thrones. He put persons in those positions to transfer and and deliver that authority that He gave to them. Genesis chapter 9, I'm going to quit. I'm about out of time. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Genesis chapter 9, Noah and his family are coming off the ark And here's generally where we tend to see the beginning of human government. 
and we call this the dispensation of human government that comes in here but like we've already seen human government started with the first humans Genesis chapter 9 the Lord gives Noah and his family the right to uh, to, to eat everything, verse uh, 3, Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. Now that's a change from what he started Adam and Eve out with. They were vegetarians. They ate herbs and, and fruit. Now he says, if you can catch it, you can eat it. Um, but flesh with the, with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. And with that decree of capital punishment, with that uh, command of God, and, and we'll see down later in the passage when Paul talks about uh, these issues, we'll take a look at it more. We're here now tonight because this is the beginning. In verse 1, Paul says, the powers that be are ordained of God. Here in Genesis chapter 9, God establishes what we now understand to be human government, and He does it with one charge. And that is, if somebody kills somebody, you kill him. And that, the death penalty, the authority from God to take a human life for one man under the canopy of judicial authority, not man for man, neighbor for neighbor, but governmentally, for society to take the life of another human being is the basis of all human government. Because when God gave man that right, all lesser punishments and fines and tickets and in prison time and all the other stuff falls under that. If you've got the right to kill somebody... You've got the right to take away his freedom, and you've got the right to, you know, do anything less than kill somebody. So the uh, the institution of human government begins essentially here, outside of that familial uh, hierarchy of, of father and and family. Now we're talking about a societal type thing. And it's based on this issue right here. The authority that God gives to man to rule over one another. Um, let's close Colossians. Am I going to make it? Ooh, I'm a couple minutes long. All right, Colossians. Yes, I'm trying to stop early. I'm trying to keep myself to a half an hour. Because I, because I know that 
This is one of, this is one of those subjects that, that, that you all have got more to say about this than I do. And that's not easy on any given subject, especially the ones that I don't particularly know about. Those, those are the ones I talk about the most. Oh, willing? What do you think I'm doing here tonight? I'm cutting myself short. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians in chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we are delivered from the what Paul calls the rulers of the darkness of this world. In fact, we're called to fight them. Now you know he's talking about principalities and powers, the angels, and that kind of thing. But here he says we've been delivered from them, translated into the kingdom of Christ, of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So again, uh, the powers that be are ordained of God. And this verse here tells us specifically the Lord Jesus Christ created the thrones and the principalities and powers. In heaven invisible, which are the ones that we usually think about because that's where our citizenship is and that's where our hope is and that's where our future is and those, that's where our fight is. And, and, but also on the earth, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, every seat of governmental authority is created and sustained. In Him consist all of these things by the Lord Jesus Christ. So I will leave that uh, as my thing on, on verse 1 of Romans chapter 13.